Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. I've had an opportunity for four weeks to meditate on what I'm going to say here today. And uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, many different things come to your mind when, you're, when, you're, when you have time to prep and time to plan. And, and there's been some uh, title messages that some are appropriate, some not so much. But uh, I do believe I have a word from God for us on this season. Um, and I believe that uh, he does want to speak through us. It's amazing the uh, songs that were picked and Sheldon's message here this morning. Um, I basically can scrap half of my message because it's already been done. But I'll just go over it in case you missed a couple of points. And uh, we'll go from there. So but let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come into your courts with praise and thanksgiving. Father, this is all for you. None of it's for us, except your presence is what we're seeking for. And Father, I ask you to anoint these lips of clay. May I speak with boldness, accuracy. Your words that you've placed on my heart to speak, may they go forth unhindered, unaltered by any demonic force, accomplishing which you've called it for. Your word will not return to you void, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I've been thinking about this, you know, Azuzu Street, the Welsh Revival, Charles Spurgeon, John G. Lake, great men of God, moves of God, great things happening. And I've got one verse in the Bible that always bothers me. I dream of being used by God. I dream of these revivals. I dream of God doing stuff. I had visions this morning of him flowing through the sanctuary from right, my right to your left, covering everybody here, mighty move of God. And I'm okay. I'm open to that. I've told him this morning, if he wants to steal my show, go ahead. This is about him, not me. But that's what my heart is. But then I come across my favorite book in the Bible. I love this book. I tell everybody if they come to me, what should I read in the Bible? I say, go John. I love that book. But there's a verse in John 14 that really bothers me. And I've been pressing into why, God? What's going on? John 14, 12. If you got your Bible, you can turn to it, look at it. There is something about putting your eyes on the Word of God instead of just on the screen. But John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you. Now this is Jesus speaking. It's not some other disciple. It's, it's not some old guy. Jesus. Most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. I'll be honest with you, I've not seen that happen in my life. Like I said, yeah, I love reading about John's, Charles Spurgeon, John G. Lake, and the revivals, and I hunger for that. I long for that. But then I've got to ask myself some questions. 
And this is a little bit of a journey that God has taken me on, where he's moving me from and to. I'm not completed there because I'm not satisfied yet. But I'm on a journey, and I got far enough along, I believe I can share what I've learned. Now, before I start, I've got to put this out there. I have my own Big Bang Theory. And I 100% believe in this big, big Bang Theory. God spoke, bang, it was there. Okay? That's my Big Bang Theory. So to start my journey today, Genesis 1, 3. Let's start at the beginning of the book. I know it's not the first book written, but let's start there. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Or if you want to get more literal translation, God said, light be. Light was. And light was is and has been traveling at 300,000 kilometers per second. Now, I know for Wes and Beth coming in from Valley View all the time, that's just a little bit faster than what they can travel. You know, it's just, you know, but 300,000 kilometers per second. Why? Why 300,000? These are things my mind goes to. Why 300,000 kilometers per second? What's up with that? God created everything. Don't know. But then we go to Psalms 33.6. We're continuing in my journey. Okay? By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Think of that. The message paraphrased version says, he breathed the word, and the stars popped out. God spoke. Bang. They were there. The stars popped out. Now, just a little trivia here for your interest. This little cauldron sack that we live in, uh, our solar system here, is approximately, uh, they say, 4.545 billion kilometers across. Nice Sunday afternoon drive. You know, 4.54 billion kilometers. Now, if you want to get out of our little cauldron sack and go into our subdivision called the Milky Way, we're... You know, our subdivision, they say, probably contains, probably, because they don't know, probably contains between 1 and 400 billion, with a B, billion stars. Now, that's one or two. Now, I did some calculating here. I took my calculator out and did some figuring out. Counting one star per second... It'll take you over 2,000 years, and you won't get to 400 billion. Okay? Now, for me, I'm probably going to lose track once or twice, so that's probably up to you know, 10 or 15,000 years before I could even count in our subdivision, this Milky Way galaxy. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I like to get out of my subdivision and go for a cup of coffee with some friends and just go downtown and do something different. And they say to get out of our subdivision, this Milky Way, it'll take approximately 100,000 light years, 300,000 kilometers per second, to get there. There again, weekend drive, weekend excursion. Okay? 
And then once we're outside our subdivision, they say there's between 100 and 200 billion more subdivisions. I'm not saying we're small. I'm saying God's big. Okay? Now I want to go to Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 in the Amplified. There's a couple things here I want to point out. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a proportion of the truth, and in different ways, God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in the last of these days, in the last of these days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son, and that son is Jesus, whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things, also by, through, by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time. He made, produced, built, operated, and arranged them in order. He is the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being the outrain or radiance of the divine, and he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by the mighty word of his power. I just want to stop there for now. He's operating, he's propelling the universe by his mighty word and power. Now, I know this is not theologically based, but like I said, my mind goes sometimes to questions. And sometimes I wonder why it's going where it's going. And sometimes I let it go. Now picture Jesus. He's standing there. He's orchestrating everything. He's got the universe working like a Swiss watch. It's just magnificent. The galaxies are going around, not slashing into each other. The solar systems are working. Everything is just working properly. And he's, he's watching everything, making sure everything's going right. And all of a sudden he gets a tickle in his nose. And all of a sudden he sneezes. Imagine the galaxies flying all over the place. Everything's out of chaos. Everything's just gone. Hmm. I don't think that's biblical. But that's where my mind goes. Or, another image I had. Angel number 10,495. Now, angel 10,495 is known on the... in the inner circles of the workings of the temple. He's a little clumsy. He's nice, nice, nice angel, perfect angel. I mean, heart of gold, loves God, just, but a little clumsy, and he's bringing a cup of coffee to Jesus. And Jesus is watching everything and upholding everything. And uh, all of a sudden he trips, and coffee goes flying all over the place. And everything is in chaos again. That is not our God. That's not him. You wonder why. What's happening? Jesus holds everything upright. I have found 
in the center of the universe. Apple, if you want to put up the X structure, please. In the Whirlpool Galaxy, M51, they call it. They call it the X structure in the center of the universe. To me, that looks like a cross. The God that is holding everything together, the God that has everything orchestrated perfectly, designed his own galaxy with that in it. That is our God. That's how big he is. And he put a stamp on there for us in this day, day and age, to find it. The scholars of the age had it printed by faith. We can see it. We can see his handiwork there. Like I said, I'm not trying to say that we're small. But in my journey, I realized that I've made God small. In my desire to inquire of him, I've put him in my box to what I can think, to what I could believe. And he's teaching me to expand my vision. I have no idea where in this universe that galaxy is at. I'm going to surmise it's in the middle where he can hold everything. But then the question asks again, if God's that big, why would he even be a, care about my problems? Why would he even care about me? What's up with that? Psalms 39, 13 in the Amplified. Or 139, pardon me. For you did form my inward parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. Wow. Here I've got the star in the galaxy. A galaxy dedicated right for that cross. And then it tells me that he knit me in my mother's womb. How can that be? God's not like us. Laminin. Cell-binding molecule. I was told it's the rebar that holds the body together. Okay? Vaguely familiar? Vaguely familiar? Interesting part, it's made up of three parts. If you look at others, other pictures of it, you can see the three parts of it in the shape of a cross. Do you think God is telling us that the cross is important? Do you think there's something there that we've missed? That's not my story for today, but just putting that question out there. Have we missed something about the cross? It's what holds us together, or we'd be flying all over the place. It's what holds the universe together, or we'd be flying all over the place. Chaos, mayhem. But still goes back to John 14, 12. And to understand that a little bit more, he took me to a couple of verses ahead of it. John 14, 9. 
Now, Jesus and the disciples, they're talking. And Jesus, is, uh, Jesus was asked, you know, to show us the Father. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The works that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the works. That, I believe, is one of the keys. When studying the old patriarchs of the Bible, of what they experienced, of going through modern-day revivals and great men and women of God, they had that revelation knowledge of God inside. God was there doing the work, not them. My message today, my title ended up being God Inside Minded. We have the power of God that's created the universe. There's no denying that. He put his cross in the middle of there to remind us, to show us. But he also put it on the inside of us. So you can say, well, Jesus was God inside minded. Yeah, because he came down from heaven. You know, he was there. He had you know, special power, special memory, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, there was a special connection between Jesus and God. Well, that kind of gets blown out of the water when the Bible says Jesus laid aside his heavenly crown and came down to earth as a man. But, just in case you're still wondering, if you go on the other side of uh, John 12, or John 14... And start in John 14, verse 15. This is still Jesus talking. So we've got to believe these words. Red words win, right? Just remember that. Red words win. Whatever situation you're going through. If they're red, they win. And Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you an orphan. I will come to you. I'm not trying to make this a heavy message. I'm not sure if you guys can feel the presence of God here or not. But it's heavy. He's wanting this. He's wanting all of us to understand him and to see him and to realize him. I, God, we love you. God, we love you. So, I do believe that God is wanting to do some mighty works in our lives today. I do believe he wants healings and miracles, signs and wonders flowing through us in us and around us. I I have no doubt about that whatsoever. But I see, okay, how big God is. I see that he's on the inside of me. And the question I ask myself, am I limiting God? Have I limited him? 
Okay? Remember, you're on my journey. I'm sharing my journey here. If you guys can relate, great. If I'm sharing my journey. And he took me to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 40. Now, this is a psalm written about the Israelites in the desert, written about ancient times at this point in time. How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Wow. They limited the Holy One of Israel. If they limited, I can limit him. Now that shook me up. I've read this verse many a time. That shakes me up. I can limit God. How? They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. God wants to redeem all of us from the enemy. Okay? All of us. He's made us winners, not losers. He wants us the head, not the tail. He wants us above and not beneath. How? When we remember what he has done. When we remember what he's doing in our lives and what he wants to do. Where he wants to go, what he wants to do. Otherwise, we limit him when we think our box. When we think our perspective. Our ability. I have come to realize that the Christian battle is not a spiritual battle. There is no war going on in the throne room. There is no war going on in the throne room. Satan is a created being. He is not God. He doesn't come up to God with his sword out and saying, I'm going to get you. No. He has no power. He has nothing in the throne room. He can't do anything. But our battle is a soulish battle. It's in our mind, our will, and our emotions. And you say, well, how can that be? Satan can only attack us in our mind. Did God really say that? Did God really mean what he said in the Bible? By his stripes you're healed. Did God really mean that? With blessing, I will bless you. Did God really mean that? Did God really say that, or was he just putting words on a piece of paper? No, God meant it. Our will. It takes our will to believe the word of God. Did God, can I believe the God? Can I believe what God said? And our emotions. Now, I'm not sure about you guys. For me, when I'm standing on the word of God and believing for an answer, Satan wants to bring the question up, when, God, when? When are you going to do this? I know your word says it, but when? That's just another tactic of the enemy to get us off the focus of the star, of the cross, of the galaxy, and how big he is. The Bible... If you study it, Old Testament, New Testament, this whole thing is a manuscript on how to succeed. How to win. How to win in life. 
how to win in these times in life. 2023. And you say, well, Pastor, have you read the Old Testament? Yeah, I have. And by the way, Sheldon, I like Leviticus. I like it all. But it's a, it's a book on how to succeed, how to win. You study it, you'll find out how to succeed in life. You're going through troubles, you'll find out how to win, how to be above. So how do we have this kind of life? Well, we have to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We have to draw close to him. We have to spend time in the word. And even when your mind does not understand the word, you will have to say, I believe it. There are things in here I, my mind does not understand. I cannot comprehend. I'll be honest with you, I can't comprehend the stars. 4.54 billion kilometers? That extends past my warranty on the vehicle. I, I can't comprehend it in my mind. But my will says it's truth. God upholds everything. Jesus is telling everything what to do, holding everything together. We need to develop a friendship with God. We need to understand that he loves us. Jesus says, Father, show them that you love them as much as you love me. God is a loving God. No matter what I've done, he loves me. And he wants the best. No matter what you've done, he loves you. And then I said, okay, that's all fine and dandy. But what's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of the cross in the center of the universe, the cross in my body? What's the purpose of all this? And he took me to 1 John 3, 8. Now, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Now, remember who holds the stars together, who formed our inward parts, the Son of God. Why was he manifested? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Come on. Jesus came so he could destroy the works of the devil. Amen? Well, I've got an interesting news for you. In the message paraphrase, John 14, 12, the person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things, because I, now pay attention, okay? Have I got ears? Pay attention. Because I... On my way to the Father, and giving, am giving you the same work to do. What's that job? Destroy the works of the devil. You are to, to destroy the works of the devil wherever you're at. If you're a salesman, wherever you go, you're pushing the light. You're bringing the light. Get a little ahead of myself. 
His mandate was to destroy the works of the devil. You, not, you put everything down in a nutshell. That's why he came to earth. Now, I've often wondered why did Jesus, why did God, when Satan rebelled and the angels rebelled, why did God send him down to the earth? He knew mankind was on earth. Why did God send him down? But then I realized there's many times in here where he says that we will tread upon serpents and scorpions. We will tread upon them. Now my mind goes to a little bit, you know what? God is still wanting payback. God is still wanting us to step on the devil's head. He is still wanting us to make sure that he's underneath our feet. That he's not climbing up our back and talking and want to get down below. I think God's into payback. You know? And he's given us the authority and the power to do it. Through his name. So when I asked him, I said, what is my part in this? What's our part in this? I said, I'm not special. I'm not a Charles Spurgeon. I'm not a John G. Lake. I'm not a Billy Graham. He said, no, but you're a trustee. I'm a what? Said you're a trustee. Said, what's a trustee? A trustee is a person or firm that holds and administers property or assets for the benefit of a third party. Think of that. You're a person or firm that holds the assets or property for the benefit of a third party. God made us trustees of his spirit, of him on the inside of us. What for? To administer to the lost world. To administer to going out there to break in the works of the devil. To hold or to bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. We're a trustee. God inside-minded. When you walk onto your job site, it's not you walking in. It's God inside you walking into that building. When you walk into a supermarket, it's not you walking in. It's God inside you walking in. He's walking in. I do like that song, When You Walk Into This Room. And it has taken on a different meaning for me. Because with God inside, when I walk into the room, everything changes. Not because of me. Because of who I carry. Darkness starts to flee. Not because of me. But because of who I carry. And the light that I carry. So a trustee is to carry the light. That's all you are. That's all I am. Which takes the pressure off of me to perform. It takes the pressure off of me to be super cool. Oh, look at that pastor up there. He's super cool. Nah. You guys all have the light shining up, shining forth, going forth. And you're saying, well, pastor, I can't do that. There's no way I can. I've made too many mistakes. I've made too many problems. Well, I'm going to tell you a couple things. One, I hit that great big 6-0 mark here just a little while ago. And I know I'm older than most of you. 
which means if you think you made too many mistakes, I've made more. You think you've done stuff that God can't use you for? I've done more. And yet look where God took me. But let's go back. Abraham disobeyed. He lied. He was afraid. And yet God worked in him and called him my friend. My friend. And look what God did. Joseph, you think he got betrayed? Look at Joseph. I mean, he was betrayed by his own family, sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into jail. And yet God worked in him. He kept his heart pure. God worked in him, and look where God promoted him up to. Joseph had every opportunity to say, you know what, I missed it. I missed the will of God. How can God do anything with me? And yet look what he did. Moses, mighty man of God, killed a person and then ran. And then when God called him, he said, I am not worthy. I'm uneducated. I can't speak. I stutter. God got mad at him. Interesting. The fellow that God wanted to save a nation, God got mad at to get him to go. But he took Moses and led a nation. Led a nation out of Egypt. David, mighty man of God. We think of his great exploits. Yet he committed adultery. Then he had a person murdered. He had many flaws, many faults. But at the end, God said he was a man after my own heart. He was used. His heart changed. Then we go to Peter. In the most crucial time in Jesus' life, the day he was going to the cross, the day he was getting, Peter denied him three times. The man, the hot shot Peter that spent three years with Jesus, and he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. I will die for you. He denied Jesus because of a servant girl and some people outside the temple. And yet Peter, when Jesus got done with him, the shadow of Peter healed people. People would throng, just bring people on the street so Peter's shadow would cover him. The changes, the transformation that God did. He'd take Paul. Paul. The terrorist. The murderer. The one who had zeal for God, but did not know God. He put people in jail. He agreed to them being killed. And then God took him. And God changed him. And God used him to write the majority of the New Testament. Is his writings inspiring us to what God can do through a person when we believe? God is not looking for perfection. He's not. He's the perfect being. 
He's just looking for you. He's looking for me. You think you got to be perfect? You take yourself out of the race. You think you got flaws? You got problems? You got issues? You're right where God wants you to be. You're a great witness for him because he can work through you and do mighty things through you. So we need to develop a God inside-minded. That God is walking with us. God is walking through us out to the lost world. The lost world needs us, needs you. We cannot play small. We cannot play and go out into the world and pretend everything is normal. We all hear the news. We all see what's going on. We see the prophecies. We see what we know the end is close. Whether it's coming today, tomorrow, next year, it doesn't matter. But the world out there needs us to play big. And how do we play big? Remember, we're the trustees of the Almighty Living God. He has entrusted us enough to put His Spirit on the inside of us. He doesn't take that lightly. He doesn't just walk up to anybody and give them the Spirit. They have to believe in the cross. Important. When you see what's happening in the world, you have bosses that pretend that they're important, that they have influence, but you have the influence on the inside of you. You feel small and unimportant when you see these multi-billionaires trying to make decisions that go contrary to God's word. And yet you have God on the inside of you. You're not small. You're important. God never meant for us to be the worm on the dirt. I don't, I don't have it marked down, but um, I believe it's Isaiah 40 in the uh, message translation says, uh, do you feel like a worm, Jacob? An insect? Don't worry, I'll help you. If you feel like a worm, you feel like an insect, don't worry, God will help you. It's God inside that's doing the work. It's not us. It's not you. You don't have to try to conjure up something. He did all this so he can work through us. He did all this so he could use you. Use me for the lost world, for those that are underprivileged, for those that are or have never known the true God. The true God. I'm wrapping it up, so if the uh, word, I know it's a short message here today, but I want to focus on the cross. I want to focus on what Jesus has done and the power and remember what's inside of you. Think big, dream big, and expect big. Because he who is on the inside of you is big. And he wants to do big things through you for the benefit of others. And when you walk into the room, everything changes. When you walk into the room, because of who you've got on the inside, 
sickness starts to flee. Hopeless situations start to change around. Because of who you carry, not you, not me, not some hotshot preacher Charles Spurgeon, not John G. Lake, but who they carried with them. And they were aware of who, not what, but who they carried with them when they went. So as we go forth, let's be aware of who we carry with us. Develop that friendship with the one who wants to live on the inside. Develop that time, that personal time with him. And realize because of what he has done, he has made you worthy to be a winner. He's made you worthy to be called child of God. He's made you worthy to go forth and change the world. You are a world overcomer. And he has made you worthy of that. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you've done, the power that you've put inside of us, not for our glory, but for your glory. Not for our, oh, look at me, but look at you, look at you, look at you. And Father, may these words transform our thinking, transform our lives, transform our being to be more like you, to be more like Jesus. If there's anybody here that's not accepted Jesus, don't know this Jesus that I talked about, don't know the cross that I talked about, and you want to, as we sing this last song, come down to the front here. Pastor George and myself and Pastor Linda will be here. We want to introduce you to this Jesus. This God that is holding everything down and organizing everything. This God that says, I don't have to be afraid of what's to come. This God that says, no matter what's happening here, I've got your back. I got your back. If you've never met that God, come on down. I'd love to talk to you and give you something. If you've known that God in the past, but you want to know him deeper, you want to come back or have a better revelation of him, I open up the altars front here. Come down to the front. You, him, the great I am. And just have a conversation with him. You say, well, I don't know how to have a conversation with him. Talk. God, I don't know you like I want to know you. But I really want to get to know you. Show me how. That simple. That easy. And just talk to him. Come down to the front. Just talk to him. He wants to talk to you. He wants that time with you. He wants that fellowship with you. He wants you. 
He doesn't want some hot shot. He just wants you. So Father, we thank you that you want us. We thank you that you have done everything possible for us. And we just have to open our hearts up and say, yes. We accept what you've done. And we give you the glory. And we give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.